0: Last few weeks, we have been talking about core values. Everybody say values. Values. Let me back up a second if you're new here. We normally don't meet up here. We're temporary here. Our auditorium is under construction. And uh, on Easter Sunday, we're going to launch a brand new church. And we'll be back downstairs rocking it every Sunday. So thank you for coming and being with us in the meantime. But while we're under construction and starting at the beginning of the year, I felt like it was important to lay a core. Everybody say a core. Core. A core of foundations that we are going to live as our roadmap as we launch a new church. And so for the last five weeks, and today will be the final installment of our core values, we've been talking about deeply ingrained principles. Something that seems to be foreign and odd in our society right now. Many people don't have any principles. Many people don't have any values. They just live their life as other people do, and they just go with the flow. I want to say this to you very boldly and directly. You are not a status quo person. You are not called to fit in. You are not called to go with the flow. You were designed, created, and engineered to stand out and to step up so that others would look to you and follow you as you follow Jesus. Fight the urge to do what everybody else is doing. Fight the urge to say what everybody else is saying fight the urge to just go along with mainstream media and believe whatever fear they want to put in your ears because to change the direction of your life, we are rooted and grounded in the word of God. It is our foundation. And that's where we draw these values from. So I want to take you back just for three or four minutes and recap a few of the core values because I think they're they encompass from the beginning to the end they're, they're, um how do I say this? We started with Jesus, and we're going to end with Jesus. So the first core value we said in week one was super simple. Jesus is our focus. Jesus is my focus. He's our focus. And what we're talking about with Jesus is the focus is I want to make sure you understand that I'm not in charge. Yeah, come on. I'm just a part of the church The church does not revolve around Pastor Josh and Pastor Stephanie. The truth is, many churches worship their pastors. I put this out on social media this week. If your pastor is more famous than Jesus, something is wrong. I, I, I pray you hold me to this as this church grows. I'm not trying to become famous. I want to make him famous. I'm not trying to be known. I want him to be known. And so as a church, I want you to hear me say that Jesus is the head of the church, not Pastor Josh. Well, I heard Pastor Josh said this or that. Hey, I'm just taking my direction from him, the head of the church, just as you are. So Jesus is our focus. Number two, the second core value was this. Community, everybody say community. Community. Uh, It's it's God's design. Community is God's design for us that we would do life together. And if you were in that service, you could go back and watch it. We looked at the book of Corinthians where we find out that God's church is a type and shadow, or the physical body is a type and shadow of God's church. Just like our body has different parts, so does God's church. The question is, do you know which part you are? Many people can be born in church and die in church 80 years and still never find out who they are in Christ. Because they go to church to attend, and it's something they do, they haven't accepted the responsibility and owned the fact that they are the church. Excuse me, I got the hiccups. Every one of us plays a part in the body of Christ. You might be the pointer finger, you might be the big toe, you might be the smelly armpit, I don't know. But here's what I do know, that every part, even if it stinks, has a part to play, in fact, he says it in that scripture. I love how Eugene Peterson says it in the, in the message. He says, you find out who you are because you're part of it, not the other way around. Right, right. So well, here's the thing. You need to understand you might be connected to some stinky people. Yeah, come on. And if you're not, you might check inventory. You might be the stinky one. Because here's what I know about my body. This is connected, all of it, every bit of it, the parts I like, the parts I don't like for a purpose. You have a purpose. Community is God's design. Number three, we talked about generosity, and this has been our heart for for 42 years since this church was planted in 1981. Generosity is who we are. It's what we do, and we say it this way. Generosity is our norm. What's norm? Is it normal? It's normal to live with an open hand. You'll hear my wife and I and our staff talk about this terminology of open-handed living over the next few years because this is the way that we live. Everything that God's given us is with an open hand. And when he asks us to move it on and give it away and do this or that way, then guess what? We release it easily because we live with an open hand. Well, here's the thing. Well, if you give everything away, you won't have anything. No, no, no. You see, you're missing it. The, the, promise, the, the, the promise that God give us is that we can never outgive him. So here's the thing, when you open up your life and you give what you've been given, guess what? He'll always fill you up again. I've never once given everything away and just stayed there. It was like all of a sudden blessings start showing up again. Whether it was my time, whether it was my talent, my skills, my abilities, my connections, or even my money, when I live with an open hand, there's always more room to receive more. Generosity is normal for all people. Generosity is normal for us. Number four, love is our lens. This is a powerful one that that I'm going to really press into over the next four or five years. We are a missional church seeking the lost. And we see people as Jesus sees them. James 5 says it this way, The husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. He's got patience for it. The phrase I love in that scripture is he's got his eyes on fruit and he sees you as precious. You and I get eyes on people and we're like, oh my God, who invited them? I didn't know they could wear that in church. Somebody should pull them aside and talk to them. I'm not pulling anybody aside and talking to them about how they're dressed. God drew them here. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them through the lens of the gospel. How do you grow? It? I, this is so simple. Church growth one on one. How do you grow a church? Just love everybody and make them feel like they're family. Because outside, they already feel rejected and feel like they're isolated. They don't have anybody. So when they walk in here and they meet our parking lot team and they're waving at them like crazy people. Every week, I pull in. There's some crazy person out there with a sign waving at me. I'm the pastor. Yes. And I love it. I wave back. I start honking the horn, flashing the lights. Every once in a while, I hit the accelerator like I'm gonna run over them. And they're like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. Kind of kidding, not kidding. <laughs> Love is our lens. Number five, we are on mission. Spent a lot of time on this one last week. We're on mission. When you understand that God sent Jesus on mission and that Jesus went back to heaven and now he's empowered us through the Holy Spirit to be on mission, you and I are on mission every day. Everywhere we go, we're the hands, we're the feet, we're the salt, we're the light. Pick out whatever scripture that describes you. We are sent just like Jesus was sent. We say that all the time. Well, oh, Jesus was sent. Jesus was sent to earth. What was he sent for? To redeem humanity. And guess what? You've been given the same assignment. Yes. We've been sent, so it makes us on mission. Here's where I want to land today. Number six, our final core value is we are a word and spirit church. Amen. The word is our foundation. The spirit's our guide. I don't know what kind of church you've been at or grew up in or whatever, but I, I, I know this for me and my family and for this church, we are to do everything based on the word of God, not public opinion and polls and committees. What we do here moving forward is based on, this is what God's word says and how we should do it. We're going to take him at his word and he's going to show up and perform his word. The second part of that is we're going to be led by the spirit. We're going to allow the Spirit to guide us as the church grows, as the church expands and as the church dis- d- d- dispatches into the uttermost parts of the world he's going to give us the plan and here's what I know about society right now and the times that we live in is that everything is changing. Does it feel like everything's changing to you? Yeah. Steph and I were going to dinner the other night and we were going to go to this place that we used to like and we still like it. We just didn't realize that when we got there, they were closed down. That's the worst. You're like, I want that pasta salad. <laughs> I want that rigatoni or whatever it is that you love. And we drove to this restaurant. We're like, when well, we get there and I'm like, wait, are we? Did the GPS? No, this is the place. And the sign said, for rent. I'm like, man, businesses are changing. I went to drop my dry cleaning off at my dry cleaner. I know the guy by name. His name's Mike. He calls me Mr. Roberts every time. doesn't even know my first name. It was just Mr. Roberts. I kind of like that. And I, I, I have a great relationship with him. I just bring my bag of dirty clothes, walk in. Hey, Mike, Mr. Roberts, how about tomorrow? Three o'clock. Yes, sir, I'll see you at three o'clock. And I go up there and the door is locked. Only to realize he's moved. Things are constantly changing. How about the gas pump? Does this infuriate you like it does me? One day it's $4.10. And you're angry because your tank's on empty. You're like, I want to filled it up a little bit more when it was 360. And it's 410, you're fired up, and you realize, man, I didn't realize my truck took $78 worth of gas. Just telling the truth. And then other days you show up and it's like 369, and you're like, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Like you get like all inspired at the pump. You're like, it's my day. What y'all dancing about? I'm just dancing about cheap gas right now, man. I mean, it's, it's the little things in life. Things are constantly changing. How about your grocery bill? I don't know about yours. Either Either my kids are eating more or, or we're getting dialed in at the register. Something's gone up. Things are constantly changing, shifting. And Here's what I know. When things are shifting, that's when people start freaking out. I've learned something about humanity, even just in the last few months, as we've made changes here. The average person does not like change. Change freaks people out. We like predictability. We like stability. We like to know what's coming. We like to plan and we like to prepare. Many of us we don't like surprises. We got a surprise birthday party. Where's Pastor Mo? Is he in the room? He's over here. Pastor Mo turns 50 years old tomorrow. 50. He's a good man. He's worth celebrating. Yes. And, and, and I don't even know where I was going with that. 50 is change. 50 change. And I, I guarantee you, uh, at 50, Moe's looking back and thinking about things he wishes he could have changed, just like you would. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the mentality becomes, I wonder what else is going to change. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I've noticed my body's changing. I'm 48. I'm chasing Mo down right now. And, and I was with Walter. How old are you, Walter? <laughs> it's just a family gathering. Walter's 64 next month. Now, here's, here's, here's... Here's what I learned this week. My body's changing. 48-year-old, I went to work with this 60-something-year-old man. What'd you say, 60 what? 64 years old, and he worked circles around me. I simply asked him, could we go, could you help me pick up some firewood, maybe a cord, maybe a cord and a half, and we got there, and I had underestimated it. It was almost three cords of wood, and it wasn't all chopped. It was in huge things, and he's like, well, let's get after it. And he started lifting wood and lifting wood and we're we're going for about 10 minutes and 15 minutes and, and he's just hustling along. And I said, Walter, I, I need a break for a second. <sighs> and we went, and he just kept on loading the truck, and 10 minutes later I was like, man, I'm about to fall down. Hold on a second. I, I'm about to ask him for a back brace. My back I was like, oh geez, oh Lord. And I got in bed that night and I thought, man, my body's changing. Everything around us is changing. I said all that to say and set us up for this. Here's the one thing that never changes, and that's God's word. It's God's word. And because it doesn't change, that's the reason we need to use it as the foundation for our life. The definition of a foundation is the groundwork of anything, of anything. Foundations represent the solid ground upon which we form our beliefs, our values, and actually we take where we take our cues for our actions from. And Jesus was very uh, insightful and in understand that foundations would be important for the people that followed him. And let's look at Matthew chapter seven because he talked about foundations, and he said it so strategically, he said, "My words, these words, I speak to you, they're not incidental additions to your life. They're not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They're the foundational words. They're words to build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter. I'll slow down. Who built his house on the solid rock. Rain poured down. The river flooded. The tornado hit. But nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. It had a foundation. But, everybody say but. Put your finger up and say but. But. Listen to this, if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're going to be like the, I didn't say this, Jesus said this, you are going to be like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach, and when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. God's word, Jesus, his son, saying, my words are worth building upon. They're not going to change no matter what the storms come at you, no matter what tide season you build in, no matter what the moon and the stars are doing, you're going to have a foundation for your life. Yeah. My father-in-law was here in the first service. He's uh, a general contractor in, in, in uh, South Texas, and, and he does a lot of home remodels, and people come to him because they want to do an addition to their home. They want a bigger bathroom. They want a more spacious kitchen. They want an extra car garage because they're tired of scraping the stuff off of their car. They want to extend the garage. They want to put in an outdoor patio and what's famous down there right now is outdoor kitchens. Everybody wants outdoor kitchen in Texas. These are all additions to the home. Jesus is saying, that's not how my word is. Hear me say this. God's word is not to make your life better in one area. It's to be the bedrock for which you build everything up from. God's word and his scriptures are not just to be used in small groups and in worship songs. They are to be used as fundamental foundations for our life so that when the storm does come, when the rain does pour, when the wind does blow, guess what? You're not freaking out. You're actually happy. Hey, guess what? My stuff ain't going nowhere. I don't care what everybody else is doing and what's happening in their life. My life is fixed to the rock. So as we plant this church, I commit to you that what we do and how we build this out is by inspiration from the Holy Spirit coming right from God's word so that when we get down the road and tough times come, stability stays. Yes, 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 yes. Stability's there when we build our life upon the word. The truth of us is every one of us are building lives. Whether you're single, married, grandparent, divorced, every one of us are building lives. We're building families. We're building businesses. But here's what you need to understand. Whatever you build upon determines on how long it's going to last. How long it's going to last. I shared this years ago, and I was going to do it this morning and talk to myself out of the illustration, but we used to have TV trays at my grandmother's house. Y'all remember TV trays? little metal table, fold out right in front of the couch. Remember TV dinners? Salisbury steak. Nobody's ever eaten Salisbury steak outside of a TV dinner. We'd play on Sundays. My brothers and I would go to my grandmother's and they would play cards in the living room with all the adults and we either went to the kitty table or we went in the living room with the TV trays and we would play house, play build, build uh, card houses. And, and, and it's pretty stupid to build a card house on a TV tray because you know that all you got to do is touch the TV tray one time and the whole card house goes down. Foundations are important. Foundations are important. Let me ask you this. What are you building your marriage on? Someone else's idea of how she should talk to you? Someone else's picture of what he needs to be doing for you? someone else's philosophy on how to do this or that? Or are you going back to God's word and realizing that that we love our spouse just like we love ourselves? And that the church is a type and shadow of marriage and vice versa. How about raising our kids? Is your foundation for raising your kids taken from the word or for a self-help YouTube video that your grandmother sent you from 1965? I don't know about you, but there's conversations that we're having with our kids that nobody ever had with us. So how do you have those conversations that no one ever had with you? We go back to the word and we make it the foundation. How about our money? How about our, how about our finances, our resources? Are we just buying everything that everybody else is buying and selling what everybody else is selling? When they're selling and when they're buying, I can tell you, that's a horrible strategic plan for your resources. But here's what I know, if you'll ask God's word what his plan is for your resources, you'll always have more than enough. But here's what I gotta tell you about God's word versus everybody's plans. His plans aren't popular, but they are proven. His plans may not be popular, but they're proven. When everything goes aside and all the stuff happens in life, he stays the same. Look at this, Isaiah 40. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand until fall. Until fall when the grass dies and the, and the apples fall off the tree, right? No, he says his word, even though the grass is withered. I don't know about your grass, but my grass is dead. Actually, it ain't dead, it's just dormant. But right now, it's not in a season of growth. And some would say, man, your your yard looks horrible. And I'd be like, yeah, it is February. Come talk to me in August. It's going to be beautiful. But here's the thing about God. We don't have to wait till a time clock rolls around. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. His word never changes. Look at this in Psalm 119. He says, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. What's he saying? No matter what's going on down here, your word stays true up there. And here's what you and I have the opportunity to do is bring heaven to earth. Amen. Through what? It's already come through the word. Yes. I was thinking last night about an illustration about some kind of calamity that I've been through. And I gotta be honest with you, I started laughing in bed because I've been through a lot of calamities. <laughs> you know, if you go on Google and type in what, how many natural disasters there are, Google will tell you there's 10 natural disasters, and maybe an 11th if you count avalanches, which I do. I like to snowboard, so I will count that as 11th. Here's the 10 types of natural disasters, tsunamis, hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, wildfires, volcanic eruptions, blizzards, hailstorms, mudslides, and floods. I was laughing in bed because I've lived through seven to 10 out of these. I remember being in Mexico when the horn went off at our base where we were staying because the base was flooding because of a tsunami that was coming through. And I spent the night with the other missionaries and all the students out there digging out sand and putting it in bags to stack up around the property to make sure that the base didn't wash away. I remember driving up the down the 15 freeway from Temecula, California, down to San Diego. By the way, God's country over there. And, and in the middle of going to San Diego to visit... Jesus at the beach. I stopped in traffic seeing red lights coming. So I started slowing down and my wife said, what's going on? There's never any traffic this time of day. And about that time, I watched a helicopter fly in, lower down, and then open the bay doors and dump water on the mountain on the other side. She said, did you see that? And I said, I saw that. And a moment later, here came a big old plane. And it swooped way down low and opened up the belly of that plane and dumped water all over the mountains in front of us. Little did I know when we turned the corner, both of the mountains on either side of the freeway were fully engulfed with flames. True story, 2011. In a moment, my heart leaped. Fear tried to set in. Because not only am I stuck in traffic on the 15 freeway with nowhere to go forward, there was thousands and thousands of cars backed up behind me with no reason to let me go backwards. And in the moment, I realized this ain't my time. We're not going anywhere. I'm hooked to the rock. My wife and I are hooked to the foundation of God's word. And what I know about God's word is it says, no evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling, for he's given his angels charge over me to keep me in my ways. In the moment, I realized I ain't got nothing to be afraid of. I've shared this story when I was in South America at 16. A bunch of guys decided to rob the bank across the street. From me to the TV, they were open fire with AK-47s blah 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 blah, They were shooting the place up to steal a little bit of money, and people were freaking out and in a moment's time, the spirit of God came on me and said, "No evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling." And in the moment I declared, I give my angels charge over to keep me in my ways. No harm, no evil. What is that? That's a life that's fixed to the rock? It's a life that's fixed to the rock. God's word remains the same. He is our foundation. Let me finish this message by saying this. Not only is the word our foundation, we have committed that the spirit would be our guide. We've allowed and asked and invited the Holy Spirit to guide us on this journey as we plant a brand new church. Psalms 37.5 says, give God the right to direct your life. Give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find out he pulled it off perfectly. Give God the right to direct your life. You know what we do when we worship and some of you are new here and you're still freaked out by this? Don't be freaked out by this. When people in this building, when we worship God, we put our hands up. What are we doing? We're surrendering our life and we're giving him the right to direct us. What is this sign? This is the international sign of Surrender. If I put a gun in your face, what's the first thing you're going to do? Hey, hey, don't hurt me. And then usually you're going to follow up with a statement like, take whatever you want. Give God the right to direct your life. I want to disrupt some theology for a moment. I'm fully aware this is going to blow some of your minds, but I don't believe that God's in control. Times challenging times come and go and the first thing that people say is well you know God's in control here's what I want to tell you God gave you control through Jesus he sent Jesus and Jesus died on the cross and through the resurrection of the Holy Spirit the Bible says that we've been given the power now and authority in earth and in heaven the scripture says it this way whatever you bind on earth always oh, shall be loosed on earth that sounds like authority to me that sounds like I'm in control. And whatever I loose in heaven shall be. So wait a second, I don't just only have authority down here, I have authority up there. Because when God sees me and hears me, he doesn't see Josh Roberts, he sees the son of God, Jesus Christ in me, his son. So can I can I challenge you for a moment because Religion wants to tell you, you know, just, hey, whatever comes down the pipe, man, God will get you through it. And I want to tell you this. God won't just get you through it. He'll take you on a detour around it. We don't have to go through everything everybody else is going because I have the guide on the inside. Everything that happens in the world is not God's plan. And we need to get this picture. If God's in control of everything, then he's one bad dude. I'm not sure why you would submit to that if at any moment he can flip out and freak out and crush you like a worm. That is theology, people. People have that. I'm just a worm for Jesus. Hope he doesn't smack me or step on me. They have this picture that God's waiting to get them. I want to tell you, that's not the God we serve. That's not the God of the Old Testament or the New Testament. His plan is that we would be in connection and union, and his power would flow through the church, us, in dominion right now, which means that, that we give him the right to direct us. We have the authority, he gives the direction. I had this happen to me. Last night, as I was leaving a gathering with Pastor Mo, we were over in Natick hanging out, and, and, and I don't spend much time in Natick. In fact, I've only been there one other time. It was to go to the mall. That's a pretty cool mall, by the way, if you've never been to the Natick mall. And, and, and I was pulling out, and I, I just talked to my car. I said, hey, Siri, give me directions home. And she said, calculating? And then it pops up on the screen. It said 38 minutes, and it gave me turn by turn. Now, here's what it didn't do. Siri didn't take control of my steering wheel. And she didn't put her foot on the brake and put it in drive. And she didn't go to the stoplight and drive me home. She just said, This is the way to get home. And I could have sat there. Yeah, if if she wanted me to get home, I mean, I guess she'd drive the car. And I sat there for a second and I put it in reverse and I backed out and I got to the stoplight and she said, take a left. And I took a left. And then she said, go down here and catch this road. And I caught that road and brought me all the way around and I I jumped on 95 and I was like, I know where I am now. I could turn her off. I know how to get home from 95. But there's a lot of people that are waiting on God because God's in control and he'll control me. He'll, He'll make it happen. God's asking for you to give him the right to direct your life. You're in control of your life. He's the director. And here's the thing that you need to know about the Holy Spirit. He'll never make you do anything. He'll give you the opportunity to follow his lead. The children of Israel had to pack their stuff and actually leave and march into the desert. He did not pick them up and drop them in the desert. It was their choice to follow his leading. And guess what? When they got in the desert, it says that there was a pillar of fire by day, pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. What was his representation of the direction of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? You and I don't have to look for a cloud during the day. You and I don't have to wait for a fire by night. You and I have been engrafted with the power of the Creator inside of us, and He guides us every day. Every single day, He'll speak to us Go there, do this, don't do that, don't buy that, stay away from them, invest in this, marry her, don't marry Him. We have this whole thing about soulmates with singles. Can I tell you something? I don't know if, I even, if that even exists. Where do we get this idea that there's one perfect person? Dude, if that's true, and you're single, you better get to the gym and dial everything in because somebody's waiting on you to be perfect. And you're their one in gazillion of a gazillionth chance that they might get married because you're their soulmate, but you like Doritos and Netflix. Okay. <laughs> but here's what I do believe that if we're willing to give Him the direction of our life, He'll lead you to the best one for you the one that He has created, the one that is destined. So many people say, well, I guess you know, I'm just, it's what it is. I'm just married. That's what happens, you know. Now, you can get direction in your marriage that sucks and turn it into something that's awesome when you submit your marriage to the Holy Spirit. Some of our kids are crazy, including mine. When we let God direct our life, guess what? Our kids are going to turn out perfectly. <laughs> We're not that great parents. We love to give accolades to parents. And then and, and we say, man, you did amazing with your kids. I love your kids. They're amazing. And the humble ones will say it's because by the grace of God because oh, yeah. they're nuts. Oh, uh, Understanding, I just, I had to invite the Lord in to give me direction. Yeah. So why do we need a guide? Because, because there's always movement with God. You need a guide to get somewhere you've never been before. Once I got to Burlington Mall in 95, I didn't need the guide anymore. I could turn her off, tell her to stop talking to me. I've been to that Burlington Mall. I lived over there. I know how to get home from there. But what if I was gonna go somewhere I've never been before? That's where you need a guide. You need the guide of the Holy Spirit because he wants to take you to a place that you've never dreamed of in your marriage, in your finances. And for us as a church, he wants to do so much more, but we've got to invite him in and allow him to lead us. John 16 says, but when he the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own. He'll only speak what he hears. He will tell you what is to come. He'll tell you what is to come. He'll tell you what is to come. Some of us are worried about the future. Some of you have even expressed your worry to me about the future of this church. I'm going to tell you this. I'm following the Holy Spirit the best I can. And here's what I know. As long as we listen to him, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. But for some of you, I want to give you a hack, a life hack. You ready? You like, you like life hacks? How about this one? It's called airplane mode. On your phone, if you go to settings, the first button at the top, it says airplane mode. Y'all know this about this? And what happens during airplane mode? Phone doesn't ring. No text messages come through. No notifications come through. It's like the phone's on, but it's really not on. Like you can see what's going on, but it's not a distraction to you. Some of us are so worried about the future because we've allowed other voices and other people and other things to distract us and detour us, and we've given them so much noise in here that we don't know which way's up and which way's down. Some of y'all need to go in airplane mode in the season and go back to the director and the orchestrator of your life and give the guide the ability to be the one to speak to you. Stop gathering public opinions. The biggest mistakes that I've made in my life. The biggest mistakes I've made in my life is when I asked other people what they thought I should do versus going to the Holy Spirit and saying, what do you want me to do? Where do you want to take me? So I'll close with this. We're word first people. This church is built on the word by the direction of the Holy Spirit. I just want to say this over, over you and over our church as we get ready to launch all people, is a word and spirit church. We're not a word church, and we're not just a spirit church. We're a word and spirit church. Word churches, without the flow of the Holy Spirit, they're very dry and it's stale and it feels very cumbersome. It's very letter of the law. And then I don't know about you, but I've been to some spirit-filled churches, but it was so wild and weird, man. There was no word. (laughs) There was nothing stable about it. You never knew what was going to happen. And here's what I believe, that the church doesn't need a separation. You're either a word church or you're a spirit church. Jesus came to build a church through us that is word-founded, spirit-led. So here's my commitment to you as we launch. We're going to preach the word. We're gonna teach the word. We're gonna speak the word. We're gonna pray the word. We're gonna trust the word. We are going to live like the word is true and we're gonna obey it and we're gonna put it first. It's our foundation because we're word first people. The second part of that is we follow the Holy Spirit. Yes. He is part of the Godhead. Yes. By the contrary, by, by um, so many people dispute this. He is one of three. You can't separate him from the God, the Father, and you can't separate him from Jesus. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. We listen for his direction. We'll take our lead from him. We will ask him and invite him to be a part of this plant, for we're submitted to his plan knowing that he'll guide us into all truth. That's my commitment as we launch. I like what R.T. Kendall says. He says, all word and no spirit, you dry up. All spirit and no word, you're going to blow up. But with both word and spirit, it causes us to grow up. A church that's anchored in the word, but allowing the Holy Spirit to move them forward is a church that's right on target with God's plan for 2024. So here's my question for you. Is the word first in your life? Is God's word the supreme authority of your life? When you make decisions, is it the foundation for the decisions? And number two, who's giving you direction? Are you getting direction from humans or from the creator of humans? Are you getting information about your journey from another man, woman, or child, or are you getting it from Almighty God through his spirit who is a gift to us? I'm going to be a word-first person, a word-first pastor, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come and lead us and guide us and let him direct our lives. Amen. Yeah. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Thank you so much for coming. I'm going to ask that nobody moves. Just hang tight just for a second. Maybe you're here today, and this is new for you. I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing weird, nothing spooky. We, we believe as a church that God sent his son Jesus to save us. We believe that, that he's God's gift to us to save us from ourselves. And I believe that the Holy Spirit did exactly what he said in his book, that he, he came and raised Jesus from the dead after he was crucified so that you and I could be reconnected with God our Father. In that same notion that you need Jesus, you also need the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says to them, go and wait. That you would be endued with power, and after you've received the Holy Spirit, you'll be my witnesses all over the world, starting in your own backyard. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I wanna pray for you right now. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I I won't call you out, but I wanna know who I'm praying for. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life, I, I need a foundation. Things seem chaotic. Oh, man, I need need power. I need boldness to live out my purpose. I need the Holy Spirit. On either one of those occasions, just put your hand up and wave it at me. I want to pray for you. All across this room, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I see you right over here. Yes, sir. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit. I see you. Yes, ma'am. I see you, buddy, right back here. Anybody else? I got you right over here. And all the venues, man, if I'm speaking to you, just raise your hand. We're going to include you in this prayer. If you're watching online, I want you to pray this prayer with us in just a moment. Anybody else say, include me in that prayer? Yes, ma'am, I see you. I got you right over here, yes. Let's do this as a family. Look up at me. We do things together here. Whether you raised your hand or should have, let's just pray it together. Let's pray it together, okay? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I, thank you for Jesus. I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your son. Thank you for sending him. To this, earth, to this earth to be my example to, my to, show, the to show the way Lord I thank you, Lord, I thank you. For, the for the sacrifice he made on behalf of my sin, of my sin. today, today in, front my friends, in front of my friends and my family my I repent, I, repent. I, turn ways, I turn from my ways and I declare Jesus, I declare Jesus is Lord of my life Father, Father. thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you you that I can have a guide inside. inside. Holy Spirit, Spirit. fill me today today. with your power, power. with your direction. direction. In In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys. I love you all so much.